0: I don't know that I can follow that. <laughs> I can't, so we'll let the Word of God turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. We've been on a journey the last several weeks, walking through uh, what it means to live by grace. We, we define grace as God's unmerited favor towards sinners. And so we, we believe, as the people of God, that that the only way, listen, the only way you and I become, become believers in Christ, the only way that we receive the adoption that we're going to talk about today is because God demonstrated His mercy to us and He displayed grace to us. You and I aren't even smart enough to realize we were in desperate need of a Savior. You and I aren't even creative enough, we're not cute enough to realize that that we were in desperate need of of God to move in our life. It was the Holy Spirit of the Lord that showed you your depravity. It it was the Holy Spirit of God that moved in your heart, revealing to you that you were a sinner. You didn't come to that on your own. It was God's pursuit of you. It was God pursuing you, calling you by name. Listen, I, I stand in awe of God Almighty who created our world in six days, he took the seventh off, meaning rest was important. The same God that spoke life into existence was calling my name. Was calling my name. Little old 14 year old mess of a me in Morris, Alabama, when I was sitting in the church and I was sitting there, I wasn't there to experience God, I was there because the girls were good looking. And God was pursuing me, calling me by name. And then I get to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And then I'm just not some strange person that he knows. He goes from calling me, hey, that boy, that old country boy, his name's Jeff. I know him because God knows me at salvation. But I'm not just that guy standing on the outside. I now have a position change. And God Almighty, the King of heaven, the King of glory, the King of time, the King of His will, that God calls me son. That God calls you son or daughter. That same great big God thinks a a whole lot of you in His pursuit of you. We've been talking through what it means to live in grace. We talked and we, we looked at God's word and we, we saw the issue in Galatians. The issue was there were people who came in to Galatia after Paul had started a church there. and he, They came in and they distorted the gospel and they told the church that you have to convert back to Judaism to be saved. They were adding stuff to salvation. I'm going to make it as simple as possible for you and me today to wrap our minds around what salvation is. Salvation is Jesus, and that's it. At Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, that is our salvation. That is our salvation. Now, that's loaded. It's it's that simple, but that's loaded. That's, That's going to be a lifetime commitment before the Lord that we're laying down our life. Jesus said, you will pick up your cross every day. When we pick up the cross, we surrender our lives. When we pick up the cross, we surrender our will. When we pick up the cross, all of that selfish hope that we had desired, all of that great wealth or fame, all of that that which we had personally longed for, went out the window. When we pick up our cross, we're kingdom-minded, and we're we're kingdom-focused, and we follow Jesus. So the Apostle Paul corrects the church. He says, no, you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved in Christ alone. Only Jesus is sufficient today for your salvation. The bloodshed of Jesus, or, or as we said around here, and we say it often. In fact, I've, I heard some of you adopt this language, and I got to be honest with you, I was pretty giddy. Like, I went home that day, like, that's right, they're picking it up. Because sometimes I'm nervous. Sometimes I feel like I'm up here talking, and y'all are just like, phew. But I heard somebody this past week, I heard two different people say, talking about what, what it meant to be saved. And they, they said, based off the finished work of Jesus. And my... Whew, Pastor Ron, I, I could have I danced right there just like King David did. It did something good to my heart. When we understand that the work that Jesus did for us, listen, it's finished. It's finished forever. We're always in relationship with the Lord. If you When you submit your life to the Lord and you call Him Father, you're there. You're submitted. He's always your king. He's always your Lord. You're not going to walk a day in this life by yourself. So in the tragedy that happens, the Lord stands beside us. On the mountaintop experiences, when we rejoice at the faithfulness when we're there and we're experiencing God fresh in new ways, He's there. The adoption that Jesus offers us by grace is the greatest thing we'll experience. In your text, the Apostle Paul writes, and he's he's finishing chapter 3, and he wants us to understand our position change. In verse 6, he says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, having put on Christ, we're going to get back to that, that's loaded. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all One in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are an heir according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. But he is under the guardians and the managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children... We were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. If you don't have verse 4 underlined in your Bible, you've got my permission right now to underline that one. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are a son... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you're an heir through God. Father, we beg over Your Word this morning that You would use it for the glorification of Your own self. God, may we experience You fresh and anew today. May we understand a little bit more about Your grace today. For some, God, they they need to receive salvation. They need to receive the adoptionship in which You're offering. Father, for others, they need to release the, the bondage of sin that's holding them back, that's keeping them down. God, we all need a fresh word from you, and we're praying under the authority of Jesus that you will have your will in your way. We pray that, that all of that which may distract us this morning, that all of that that may bring forth tension in our hearts, that we would be able to put that out and focus on you. It's in the name of Christ we ask, and all God's people said, Amen. Salvation is by grace. We start by understanding that that grace is a gift that God is offering us so that when you and I come and experience salvation, it's not based off anything you've done. It's not based off any performance or work that you could accomplish. I don't care how many times you're here. I don't care if you have a key to the church building. Salvation isn't based off your workmanship, but it's based off his. It's based off Jesus' workmanship is based off his finished work on the cross. So when we embrace salvation, we all start on the same playing field. When I became a believer, my salvation was just as sufficient as yours. I became a blood bought believer based off Jesus. You know what I did in my salvation experience? I said yes. I said yes. I didn't offer anything, I didn't offer, I have nothing to offer. I didn't, I didn't promise the Lord anything because my word is and my word's flawed and it's, it's close to being wrong all the time. And, and, I, and I, I'm close to arrogance and I have to guard my heart of that. And so my word isn't something that, that I can even offer unto the Lord. When Jesus said, I want you to follow after me, my answer, church, was yes. Yes. Not based off me. God didn't look at me and go, oh, he's impressive. I want him on my team. It wasn't like the NFL draft. God didn't ask me how fast I could run the 40. He didn't ask me how long it took me to get from one side of a field to the other. He said, will you follow me? I'm right here, I'm right here. He said, will you follow me? My answer was yes. That's the grace of God. That's not me. That's not me. And your salvation, it wasn't you. It was the grace of God being bestowed on you. It was God's favor Albeit you a sinner, it was God's favor poured out on you so that now you and I receive salvation. You and I receive the greatest gift we've ever been given because of his goodness, not because of ours. We are saved by grace alone, not based off ours. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. So it's the gift of the Lord. We're saved by grace. God's favor towards us. We're saved by grace through faith. How are we going to get saved? We're going to to have faith that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. We have faith that Jesus accomplished the will of his Father, that he overthrew everything that the world had knew up until this point. And it's all because of Jesus. Look at your neighbor this morning and tell them, it's all because of Jesus. not because of you, Right? It's not because of me. I did nothing. I did nothing. I showed up to the party empty-handed. And Jesus in his sufficiency, in his goodness, in his lordship said, "I've done it all for you." I've done it all for you. You did nothing to get here. I've done it for you. Do you know how much weight that takes off of me? Do you know how free that makes me? I don't have to beat to the law. I don't have to try. I don't have to try because I'm trusting. It doesn't mean I walk through life lazy. It doesn't mean I, I walk through life doing nothing. It means now I'm experiencing the grace and mercy of Jesus, and that transcends through every factor of my being. Every factor of what I am, the decisions I make, are now in grace and mercy of the Lord. The prayers I pray and the thoughts I think, they're now bathed in the grace and the mercy of the Lord. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone. No one else can bring you that. We are made right before God. It's salvation, you and I are made right before God. This is the idea of justification. We're, We're made right before the Lord. The Lord has done something that only he could do. You couldn't get right before God by yourself. You couldn't get right before God by yourself. There's nothing that you could do to to fix your sin problem. And for many of us, we need to recognize our sin problem. We need to recognize our sin problem. It's not a disorder. It's sin. It's not some type of... It's sin. When we start calling sin what it is, we will be on the track to healing. We've got to be able to repent of our wrongdoing. And it's not just, oh, I messed up. Like, my son, he, he has one of his favorite words is, uh-oh. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh-oh. So this morning, we're, we're all getting ready for church. And, and if you've never gotten a, a 18-month-old, 19-month-old dress for church, you've never done anything. I've decided. I used to get on to parents when they were late come to church. And now I'm like, I'm sorry. That, that was on me. That was on me. I didn't know. I didn't know. Like, how many times you got to put shoes on somebody? How many times you got to put shoes on somebody? Come on. I'm just going to duct tape them. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to... This morning, he, he ate breakfast, and, and he, he's getting over a, a pretty severe sickness that he was dealing with, and so his appetite is back in full force, so he ate all of his breakfast, half of Katie's breakfast. I don't share food, so he didn't eat any of mine. <laughs> You'll learn that about me. I don't share. Like, don't come up. Can I have? No. Get your own. I will share the gospel with you, I will share my house with you. I will share anything I've got. Don't ask for my food, all right? You don't get this body by sharing food, right? So, so he has eaten everything that we have cooked him. And so Katie's like, okay, here's, here's he's got this little plastic bowls, yay big, yay size. And we had Cheerios in there. So we're all in the bathroom. And, and it's like I'm shaving. Katie's doing her hair. He's sitting on the floor. Um, and he's taking his Cheerios and he's going and trying to catch them back in the cup. What? Well, 19 months old, you don't have the motor skills to pull that off, right? Like, he's not, like, they're hitting the floor and going everywhere. And he goes, uh-oh. And then does it again. Uh-oh. As now Cheerios are covering our bathroom floor, uh-oh. We need to realize our intentional sins aren't uh-ohs. Our intentional sins aren't uh-ohs. They're habitual sins that we need to beg the Lord to forgive us of. At grace, you and I get the opportunity to, book, to come before a holy, sovereign God because we've been made right, because we've been made right, because we've been called out, we've been called holy, not based off you, don't walk out of here thinking, I'm holy. No, it's based off the finished work of Jesus. He's, this is a big word, he's imputed righteousness towards you. He's imputed. That means you didn't own it. He's pushing it towards you. He's imputed His holiness towards you. Nothing that you could conjure on yourself, but what the Lord has done for you. what What a Savior we have. We understand what grace has done for us. Grace brings us into a new position. Grace brings us into a new position. You were a slave... Now you are a son. You were a slave. Now you are a daughter. You were were nailed with sin. You were weighted down by sin. Jesus says, come follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Your position changed. Now set you from this. This is going to blow your mind. You were an enemy to God because of your sin. You were an enemy to God. At salvation... You became part of the family. You went from enemy to family. God's working his goodness in your life. He's repositioning you that you may experience what it means to live life in the presence of Jesus. Not only do we get a new position, but we got a new identity. We got a new identity. At salvation, I got more than a certificate from a church saying I had been redeemed. At salvation, my friends, I got a new identity. I am now part of the family of God. God looks at me and He doesn't just see a mess that I am, He doesn't see the sin that I bring before Him. He sees me as His Son. He sees me as his son. So even when I come back before him and I fall, say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And here's where, here's where my heart keeps leading me astray, Father. Here's where I've messed up. Help me repent here, Lord. Help me. He doesn't see me as some, some enemy before. Him. He sees me as his son. And as the great Father that he is, he embraces me and leads me in the path of repentance. He walks me through that. The Holy Spirit guides and enables me to repent before the Lord, that I may stand right before Him. He brings us a new identity. You're not the same old person that you were. There was an identity crisis. He brings you into a new relationship. You've heard that, that Jesus is a friend of sinners, and that's true. But at your salvation, He moved you past the friendship. The salvation, you went from someone that Jesus was pursuing to someone he caught, To someone that, that he has now wrapped and embraced. To someone that, that he has now entered a, a covenant relationship and he tells us, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He tells us that, that I'm going to be the author and the finisher of your faith. He tells us that we're going to have life with him eternally. He tells us, and this is really good news, he says the moment you take your last breath here, The moment that your heart beats its last time here, you'll be with me forevermore. Talk about hope and the reassurance of hope that God is in our new relationship with Him. He is our forever Father. He is our forever Father. He has now called us His children and we'll be with Him forevermore. Grace brings us an inheritance Grace brings us an inheritance. You didn't do anything on your own to get here. You you didn't. You didn't work in the fields to to get to grow this inheritance. Some of you, you got a little something when when your folks have passed and and you had some sort of inheritance from uncles or aunts. Or and I keep praying for this really rich uncle somewhere that I don't know anything about, but I don't think that's coming to fruition. we, we, we do nothing for the inheritance. God has promised you that he's going to set a table before you in glory. He's going to set a table before you in glory. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place. And when the Lord Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place, you can take it to the bank that he's coming back. He's coming back. And so in our In our newfound grace that we're living in, He's promised us. He's promised us an inheritance. And I'm not talking about some money that you're going to burn up real quick because you did nothing for it. I'm talking about something that's going to be eternal. Something that's going to be better than anything you've perceived yet. Something that's going to transcend any of your thoughts. You know, a lot of us get caught up in the streets of, of gold and the gates of pearl. Can I tell you? That's the road you walk on and the gates surrounding the place. If that's the gates and that's the road, what do you think the dwelling places are going to look like? I had an old boy tell me one time, well, I'm living for my mansion in glory. I said, brother, I don't, it don't have to be a mansion. God can give me a broom closet. I just want to be close to him. I don't need a mansion. Give me a place. Just, I, I just want to be where Jesus is. Our inheritance is the eternal presence of, of Jesus. That we experience Him every day. You know, worship this morning, when it started, we prayed this morning, we, we knew today was going to be special. We just felt the Lord has authored all of this, that He's ordained every moment that we're experiencing today. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in the presence of Jesus? I know some of you super spiritual folks will be like, He's here. You're right. He's here. His Holy Spirit's here. But one day we're going to look at Him face to face. And our worship thing will be like what we've always longed for it to be or... Probably better than what we could even dream up. So we understand that our salvation is by grace, but we also understand that our adoption is by grace. Our adoption is by grace. Katie and I have, have long since had a heart for children and had a heart for adoption, and we've kind of positioned ourselves that way. That's part of our natural family plan, is to adopt at some venture in our life, and we're, we're making financial steps that way now. It's just relatively pretty expensive and I get paid off y'all's giving so it's taking a while so when the tithe plate comes by today you just pray over it we've prayed this way and we've set ourselves up this way and we've longed for it because we know we know what the Lord has done in our lives we know that when, when Christ came into us we were a mess When Christ found me, when when, when he he said, I'm going to pursue him, I was a sinner. I wasn't making uh uh-ohs and bad decisions. I was a sinner. And I was making sin, because that's what sinners do. My life was a mess. I didn't care about God. I didn't care about the things of God. I didn't care about church. I didn't care that it was Sunday. Sunday was NASCAR day. If Sunday's still for NASCAR, you need a heart check, but we'll get there in a little bit. I didn't care about any of that. Sunday was a day we went deer hunting. If the fish were biting, we went fishing. If the dove were flying, we shot them. That was what our Sundays were. We didn't go to church unless it was Easter. Maybe Christmas. And that was if we saw that Garden of First Baptist had horses in their service. We didn't care about the things of God because we didn't understand who God was. But when God started pursuing us, God started pursuing me. And I walked through this adoption process where a father looked at someone who was not his blood and God chose me to be his son. He chose me to be his son. Not based off me. I was a mess. It was based off his grace and his goodness. Today when God calls your name, and He may be doing it right now, It's not because you're some spectacular person. It's because of his grace and his mercy. It's because of his goodness. He's pursuing you. That voice right now that's got your heart rate up and you're thinking, is he talking about me? Yes, he is. God is pursuing you. He wants you to be in his family. The Apostle Paul talking to the church reminds us that As an heir, as long as he is a child, he's no different than a slave. He's talking about how under the law, you were bound to the law, you were chained to the law. But when God set forth at just the right time, at just the right time, God came into our world to redeem us. The idea of adoption is special to us. The idea of adoption is special to me. I didn't have a mom and a dad that most of you had. Um, I didn't have a lot of interaction with my biological mother. Um, In fact, she died and left this world and I'm a lot closer to many of you than I was to her. I didn't have that great relationship. I didn't have that type of relationship that that I have with others. And so the idea of me growing up feeling often unwanted, feeling often left out, the idea that I may have gotten... I may have gotten a bad call when it came to earthly parents, but my heavenly parents are out of this world. I may have felt unwanted at times walking this earth, but my heavenly Father has always desired me. My heavenly Father has always been after me. Even when I was a mess, even when I was imperfect, even when I had life stuff going on, He he says, that's mine. That's mine. We're adopted By grace. God sent Jesus to be in charge of this position. He sent Jesus to be in charge of this position. How do we get adopted? The finished work of Jesus. Jesus died and took our place, substitutionary atonement. Jesus died in our place that we may be forgiven. And now we have, we have closed the bridge, we've closed the gap between a holy God and sinful people because of the bloodshed of Jesus made us right. So God sent Jesus to change our position. Jesus accomplished the work by dying for our sins. Jesus accomplished it no one else could no one else could fix your sin problem there was no one else perfect christ alone is is the salvation agent for you only by the work of jesus are we entered into this bond the holy spirit accomplishes it for us the work of the holy spirit holy spirit comes in and and as god is drawing us the holy spirit reveals to us you're lost You have sinned. Many of you have have told me your story. And as God was pursuing you, as God was calling you, the weight of conviction came upon you. The weight of your sin came upon you. The realization of his holiness versus your sin was ever present. And that that was an awful experience because you realized who you were. You realized who you were and you realized that God of the universe was calling you. Boy, I remember, I'm telling you, I've told you before, we were in the 11th the 12th stanza of Come Just As You Are. And I didn't think that preacher would ever shut that thing down. We just kept singing. We kept singing. The Methodists had done went to lunch. We just kept singing, right? We were just singing and singing, Come Just As You Are. And I'm about to rip that wood right off that pew right in front of me. God's Holy Spirit was convicting me. My heart was beating 170 beats a minute. I, I could have just walked out. I, woo. Next thing I know, my eyes were watering really heavily. It wasn't even sinus season. God was pursuing me, calling me by name, calling me to be His child. The Holy Spirit brought me into relationship with Jesus, convicted me of my sin. And then a pastor who was diligent to the word of the Lord, as I came down and I blubbered in his ear, I need to be saved. That pastor said, you need to call on the name of Jesus. And I didn't know what that meant. I wasn't churched. I didn't say some special prayer. Throughout out my tears and groaning, I said, Lord, save me. That was my whole salvation prayer. Lord, save me. That's all I can muster out. I'm broken over my sin. I'm broken over my depravity. And I could muster out, Jesus, save me. And guess what? He did. I I, I hadn't gotten over it yet. I hadn't gotten over it yet. The Holy Spirit accomplished that in our lives as they brought us into relationships. So what does that look like? It means we have that new identity. It means we have that new identity based off the Holy Spirit. We have a new identity. We're now now people who possess the Holy Spirit. You and I are people who possess, meaning God lives and dwells in us. Meaning when we sin, when we're convicted, when God needs us to step somewhere. you ever been somewhere and God spoke at you to speak to someone? You ever been somewhere and God said, I need you to do this? You ever been somewhere and God said, I need you to give that money to this person? And you experience that? That's the Holy Spirit of the God. He's, He's speaking life into you. And you've got this new identity. He's living in you. We now enjoy intimacy with God. We now have intimacy with God, and so for some of us, listen. I'm a man's man. Like I don't, I don't cry very often. I like watching movies where things blow up, like I shoot guns, like that. I'm a, I'm a I think I order myself a man's man. Like I eat beef, right? Steak, man's man, right? A lot of us get uncomfortable when we start talking about intimacy because we think that's going to take us to a place we don't want to communicate. God, in our relationship with Him, is offering intimacy. That you and I can know Him beyond some big, powerful being in the sky. You and I get to know God up close and personal. You and I get to know God in ways that even people in our faith before, the Israelites before, they, they long for intimacy with the Lord. And yet, based off the finished work of Jesus, you and I experience intimacy. A great big God bending down. To love on little old you nobody else is offering that when you look at the other religions in our world you look at Islam and you've got to perform, you've got to do rituals you have to work and serve and do all of these things and you've got to have this type of pedigree and you've got to do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do, that, don't do this don't do this but this is okay and, and Jesus is saying come embrace me Come experience life with me. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants to know you. God is asking for intimacy in a relationship with you. That He wants to know you like that. He, he's not just okay with numbers. He's not just some big Baptist preacher up in the sky focused on chicken and numbers. He wants to know you. He wants to know your heart. He does know you. He does know your heart. He wants you to be honest with him. I want you to be open with him. He's given you the heart at salvation. He's given you the heart. Scripture says that at salvation, your heart now cries out, Abba, Father. And when you look at that and you do contextual study there, what the, what the scripture is telling us that, that at salvation, God goes from being Almighty Father, which he still is, he goes from being the King of kings and Lord of lords, which he still is, but now the apostle Paul is telling the church in Galatia that now the apostle, but now based on the finished work of Jesus, you and I embrace God differently, now we call him Dad. Dad. King of all glory. The, the the person that possesses every ounce of power that this world could ever experience is asking us, he said, in our new relationship, you can now call me dad. Wow, what a intimate relationship that we can have. I thought I knew what love was. And then we had kids and I experienced it new and fresh. The love that a, a father has for his child or a mother has for their child is so unique. And to think that that's how God of the universe wants to communicate to me. That's the type of love and affection. That same joy that your child brings. The same joy and love and adoration. You remember, man, that I remember being in, in the delivery room when your whole world was flipped upside down. They don't prepare you for that. People did. People were like, you ain't ready. Like I had people in the church we were at in Louisiana. that would come up to me and say, Pastor Jeff, you ain't ready. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready, I wasn't ready. That little booger came out, and I remember those first couple of, of milliseconds mother, waiting to breathe, right? And you're, I'm standing there helpless, I can't do anything, nurses or doctors are everywhere, it looks like we're in a spaceship. And I'm just like, breathe, 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 breathe. And then he goes <gasps> And then he, he hasn't quit breathing or screaming since. <laughs> I remember that intimate moment of, wow. And you know, the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Galatia that as blood-bought children, God looks at you the same way. That now in our relationship with Him, it goes from being creation and creator to being God and son, father and son, father and daughter. We enjoy the intimacy and we relish in our inheritance we relish what God has done for us and what he's promised for us so the question we have to wrestle with today it's not can we call it's not that it's not as God calling us sons and daughters because he is the question I want you to wrestle with this morning right here Everybody, right here. The question I want you to ask in your heart, because I can't answer this for you. God has prepared all the way for you to be able to call him Father. Are you calling him Father? I'm not asking, do you have some reverence of God? I'm not asking, have you been baptized? I'm not asking, have you walked in the Nile before? I'm asking at the core of your being. When you look upon God of the universe and He's calling you son or He's calling you daughter, is your heart positionally there to call Him dad? You only get there through salvation. You only get there by confessing your sins before the Lord and asking Him to take residence. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You remember my prayer. Save me. Is your heart crying out to God and calling him dad? Calling him daddy? If not, don't go home today being positionally wrong before the Lord. Don't go home today knowing, knowing that you're not a son, you're an enemy. Don't go home today knowing that you're not positionally correct before the Lord. And listen, this is what Satan will begin to say to you. Satan will begin to say to you, you're not worthy. You know the good news is? The good news of the gospel is that none of us were worthy. The good news of the gospel is that none of us were worthy. Had we been worthy, Christ wouldn't know how to die. We were unworthy, so Jesus came in our place. Satan's going to tell you you're not worthy. Satan will tell you, not today. Not today, do it next week. And you know what happens when God begins to, pre- when God begins to press on you that you need to receive Him as salvation, and you say no. You know what will happen next week? It'll be easier to say no. What will happen the next week is it'll be easier to say no. It'll get easier and easier to denou- deny, and denounce the things of God. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you not today, and Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Why don't you get right before the Lord? Why don't you positionally get right before the Lord? For some of you, that means salvation. For some of you, you're, you've stepped out of grace, and your sin has caused you to be outside the grace of the Lord. You're, you're still positionally a child of God, but you're not, you're not stepping in the ways of the Lord because of your sin. Some of you today need to come and release that. Some of you, God's been calling you to partner with our church and join in the ministry here. And you you haven't. You've become disobedient. He's calling you, but you're resistant. Get right before the Lord today. Resume that relationship where we call Him Father. Where we embrace Him as Dan. Let me pray over us. Father, in all of creation, we are here this morning and we declare You. We declare You as Lord. We declare you holy and righteous. And we were here today to say that you're a good Father. So God, I pray over the people under the sound of my voice. And whether they're here in this place live this morning or they're here in this online, wherever they may find themselves, Father, I, I pray that, that you're working in their heart. or some of them are positionally not right with you. They've never accepted you as Lord. They've had religious experiences or maybe they went to VBS as a child or maybe they joined a church. But they've never declared you as Lord of their life. Father, I pray under the power of the resurrection that you will draw their hearts nigh. You'll draw them near. Allow them to embrace the freedom and the sweetness of salvation. Lord, we ask Those who have have slipped in sin and they've fallen out of fellowship with you, that that they can be restored today through repentance. For those who are just standing in disobedience for whatever reason, that you'll draw them near. Lord, we need you to move. We need you to speak. We need you to draw people near. We trust your Holy Spirit to do the work that you've asked. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, will you stand with us this morning?